Good morning, everyone. So how many were here last week when Colin preached uh, out of Proverbs 2? Okay. A lot of people. Awesome. So a few weren't. Um, does anyone remember what he talked about? So what was like the first half of Proverbs 2 about? So we're kind of going to review. I'm going to build off of that. Does anyone remember what he talked about as related to wisdom? The seeking student. Excellent. You took notes, Hayden. <laughs> what were some of those things that the, the seeking student did? Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. And so that was the Hayden's right on right on the mark there. And he taught us about the called taught us about the seeking student in the beginning of Proverbs chapter two. You guys can turn in Proverbs two if you're not already there in your Bibles. Um and Colin went through verses 1 through 11, which is the foundation for what we'll be looking at today, 12 through 22. And in 1 through 11, um, Colin taught us, or Solomon, Colin, Colin shared Solomon's wisdom with us of what is wisdom, how do we find wisdom, uh, where does it come from. And we learned, like Hayden was saying, that the student must diligently pursue wisdom and cry out to, to God for knowledge and understanding. Wisdom is given by God. And knowing God is an essential part of this wisdom that um, talks about in Proverbs. The one who has wisdom understands and pursues righteousness. And not only does God give wisdom, but God also guards those who walk according to wisdom. And the qu- really the key question, or kind of how we're going to build on that, is the end of, in verse 11, it really left us on a cliffhanger about what wisdom, about the guarding that wisdom, how wisdom protects us. And so today, we're going to see uh, three life-giving benefits of wisdom. So three life-giving benefits of wisdom. And we're going to start, before we jump into our passage, just to review and lay a foundation of what uh, Solomon's wisdom is so we know what we're learning about. Biblical wisdom is the skill in applying truth, especially the truth of the Bible, to life. First, in relation to God, based on fearing God, and then in relation to other people, so how we live and interact with each other. You can think of wisdom, or one thing that was helpful to me, is to think of it as applying the greatest commandment, or the two greatest commandments, loving God and loving others. So how do we actually work that out in daily lives? Like, What does that look like in the decisions we make, the choices, the things we pursue? That's what wisdom is, is the practical um, skill of relating rightly to God and, and to other people. It's, it also involves living righteously according to God's word and not according to our own desires or understanding. And the key passage, like maybe the central passage of Proverbs that most of us know and maybe you've memorized, Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And we find lots of instruction on wisdom in the book of Proverbs. This book 
was written for people in a situation like many of us here. It's given to God's people to instruct them in the fear of the Lord and upright conduct, among others. And it particularly is given to those who are really transitioning from childhood, from being under the leadership of their parents, from having um, decisions in a lot of ways made for them or having clear guidance, to now they're learning how to make their own decisions. They're having to choose right and wrong for themselves without clear direction um, or that same structure of authority of, of their parents. And so this is really important for us. This is a place where many of us are at in our season of life, whether you're in college or early on in a career, starting a family. Ultimately, um, for all believers, we all need God's wisdom in how we live our daily lives. So let's jump into our passage for today. So in, again, as I said earlier, in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 12 through 22 will be our text. And we're going to see three benefits of wisdom, or three ways that God's word will deliver us from danger and destruction. So three benefits of wisdom. And we're going to start in verse, verse 11, even though verse 12 is the first passage. 11 helps set the stage. So it says, Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Solomon tells us that wisdom delivers us from the way of evil. And that word or that verb deliver is important for us to understand what he's talking about. The Hebrew word is nasal that's used here. And it's got the idea of, of delivery from a very dangerous situation, or for a powerful adversary. In Isaiah 5.29, the word is used to, for the rescue of a victim trapped in the jaws of a lion. So something very dangerous, very serious, and that's the exact word that Solomon uses, not only in verse um, 12, but we'll also see later in verse 16 when he talks about the second benefit of wisdom. But the point is, we're facing a very serious, uh, we're facing very serious uh, temptations, or you might say enemies here. And Solomon wants to tell us how wisdom is going to protect us or deliver us from these enemies. First, it's the evil man who represents the person whose life is characterized by evil. Someone who doesn't fear God and draws other people to join them in their evil ways. This person of sin lures us to follow his ways through deceptive speech. He speaks devious things, which are aimed toward us, toward the young person making the decision of what way to go, to draw them to the way of evil. Um, Turn back to Proverbs chapter 1 with me, and we'll see another description of the evil man. 
So Solomon's already introduced uh, in the book this evil man. And he says in verse 10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. So these, these sinful men, these sinful people, tempt toward easy gain, which is achieved through sinful means. And in that passage, in, verse, in chapter 1, the example was murder. So you, a very extreme example of lying in wait for someone to rob them and to steal from them. We can apply it um, to, we can apply this to any choice that seeks gain or seeks to better, for, better ourselves, benefit ourselves, that goes against God's instruction. So murder obviously does, but, you know, lying about something to make yourself appear better, to get something for yourself, um, putting your... You know, considering yourself instead of others, um, thinking about just what I want, um, those would be examples of finding easy gain by choosing our own path instead of God's, the way of evil. And we see in, in verse 14 that the way of evil is more than just what you do. It also goes to your heart, and, and the evil man... Look at verse 14. It says, They rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Their desires are corrupted. And where we're supposed to be delighting in righteousness and delighting in God's ways, these people actually rejoice in evil itself, and they're rotten to the core. In verse 15, their crooked ways are described. It's both moral perverseness or the way they act and think, they choose their pursuits, they're characterized by wickedness. Just choosing what's wrong, choosing what goes against God's way. And it's really important to just tie that back to the the beginning of this section in the guarding, how discretion guards us, wisdom guards us. If we don't get wisdom and don't heed its warning, We're going to be caught in this deadly snare. Um, We will fall to the lure of the evil man, the evil person who entices us to wickedness and sin. We can't be passive in our pursuit of wisdom. We can't just sit back and expect that everything's going to go well and we'll just know these things. We have to, as Colin taught us last week, we have to cry out for wisdom. We have to seek it, seek the word of God and apply it to our lives. So the first way wisdom delivers us is from, uh, is from evil men and from trust in our own, our own ways. So the second benefit of wisdom is it guards against the forbidden woman and her deadly trap. So look with me in verse 16. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman from the adulteress with her smooth words 
who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go back to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. After describing the wicked man which wisdom protects us from, Solomon presents the second protection, the second benefit of wisdom, and it's that it delivers from the forbidden woman. Now, the forbidden woman is a, there's a practical sense of she's someone that's seeking adultery, she's seeking um, to fulfill her desires outside of her marriage, but it's also just a illustration for any Anytime someone seeks um, marital intimacy and fulfillment outside of God's covenant of marriage, um, any kind of impurity is, is, this, is a version of the forbidden woman. And so Solomon is using her as an extreme example, but we can apply it to any kind of pursuit um, of impurity. The forbidden woman in verse 16 and 17 is described as a flatterer. She uses smooth, hollow words for the purpose of trapping a victim. Again, being delivered from the victim. That, that language of, of that delivery um, without wisdom will be ensnared in her trap. Not only does, um, so flattery, not only does she use smooth words, but she does them for a deceptive purpose to trap and to draw away for, for her own ends. She's not honest. The, the things that she's promising um, will not fulfill their end. In verse 17, it says that she forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. She's gone away from God's path and the covenant of marriage and seeks pleasure and delight outside of God's plan. And she invites us to join in seeking, um, seeking fulfillment outside of marriage. And marriage is God's exclusive setting for sexual delight, for the joy and gift that God gives to a married couple, to, the, to those who pursue that, who pursue his covenant. And, that, and in, in the context of marriage, this is a good thing and a joy. It's a blessing. However, outside of marriage, seeking um, in any way that other than marriage to seek fulfillment, to seek um, pleasure and intimacy, is destructive. And that's what verse 18 says. Her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. And we know this is a very important uh, theme and very serious warning because it comes up again and again in the book of Proverbs. In um, The temptation is great and many fall to it. Sexual sin is highly destructive, um, more than many sins. In Proverbs 2.19, it says that none will come back from, it, from adultery. In 5.5, 5, her feet go down to death. Um, in 7.22, um, pursuing the adulterous woman will cost the man his life. And while we're tempted to listen to our desires, what we want, and to fulfill 
the longing for intimacy outside of God's good plan. That search is futile and fatal. Instead of an easy path to pleasure or um, intimacy, seeking this fulfillment is shown to only lead to death and destruction. And this is in Proverbs when it speaks about um, life and about death, like it speaks about death here, it, it talks about our relationship with God. So if you're walking in the paths of life, you're in good standing, you're in good relationship with God, but if you're following the paths of death, you're not in good relationship with God. Um, you're in danger, and you're on the path to final death. So that's, it's describing a life that's not pleasing to God. The one who pursues the path to impurity is on the road to death and must turn back before it's too late. A life that's marked by the pursuit of impurity will be judged by God on the final day. He instructs us to be pure in our minds and our bodies. We know from Ephesians 5.3 that even a hint of impurity in the church, in our actions with one, interactions with one another, will um, hurt the church, will, will lead to... Um, will prevent, will hinder fruit being produced in the church. We need to trust God in his wisdom and what he says here about, about the path that we've got to pursue. While most of us in here are unmarried, and this also applies to the married, God instructs us to cultivate pure and content hearts right now, um, before we're married, or no matter whether we're married or not one day, um, hearts that submit to God's instruction and his plan for our lives. It might be discouraging if you're, if you're wanting to be married and you're not married right now, um, if that's a desire that God has given to you. But we know that God works all things together for his glory and our good. He's good and he does good. We can't seek a shortcut to the joys of marriage, whether by looking at impure things or seeking intimacy reserved for marriage in other relationships or any way that would violate um, the purity that God calls us to. Rather, we're called to patiently trust God and to take um, appropriate and wise steps to seek marriage in purity and right now to practice selflessness, considering how to serve and care for the people around us. That um, if you're not married currently, um, that when, if God does give that to you, that you could serve um, God well and serve your spouse. And whether you're married now or you're not married, um, even if you don't desire that, um, we're all called to pursue purity and to flee impurity. And one, um, one question I want to address here, kind of as a side note in this passage, um, in verse 18 it says that, um, the house of the forbidden woman sinks down to death. Verse 19, none who go to her come back, um, nor do they regain the paths of life. And a question comes up when you read that. It might, it's, you might wonder, um, is this saying that if, if I sin sexually, if I choose this way and go down that path, that there's absolutely no hope? Um, that there's no, no way to be restored. And that seems like, that seems at first what it might be saying. Um, but it's helpful to just 
kind of back up and look at the bigger picture. And the point that I believe Solomon is making is that sexual sin in general is, is like, um, is so destructive. It, if, you, if you go to it, it will destroy you. So don't even go near it and touch it. Um, but particularly if you continue on that path, if, if you don't turn away from it, if you don't turn back, but just headlong rush into that, you're certainly on a path for death. Now, Proverbs um, 28, 13, I'll just read that for you guys. You don't have to turn there. But just even in um, the context of our book, you can see if you'd like, um, Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So if we confess and forsake our sin, even sexual sin, even sin that is very damaging and destructive, we will find God's mercy, and there is hope and life for us. However, if you continue in the way of impurity, if, if that's what you're pursuing, um, you're on the road to death and destruction, and Solomon's warning us about that. Um, it's very dangerous. And so, it's, so we want to consider the, the whole picture there of, of the way Proverbs presents the truth. In the, it gives it to us in little short pieces. So that uh, in Proverbs 2, the, the quick line of whoever pursues her goes down to death is very memorable. It sticks with us. It shows us the destruction. But in Proverbs um, 28, 13, that adds clarity and gives us the whole picture of what, of, um, of what Solomon's really saying of... It's if you continue in, in sin that it leads to ultimate destruction. So we've seen so far two benefits of wisdom, and that's protection from the evil man and the forbidden woman. Finally, um, we're going to look at the conclusion to chapter 2 and the third protection of wisdom, which is wisdom preserves the path of life. So wisdom preserves the path of life. Or you can also say it keeps us from the path of death. So let's go back to Proverbs chapter 2 and read verses 20 through 22. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Verse 20 sums up the purpose of wisdom's protection against the two traps of the wicked man and the forbidden woman. So it sums it up by saying, overall, if you, if you have wisdom, you're going to be protected from these two traps, and ultimately that's going to give you this greater benefit. Um, because what we choose, if we choose to go in the way of um, destruction, whether it's following the, the evil men, the evil, just the path of the evil ways, or the evil woman and impurity, that's ultimately a life that's, our lives are lived before God. And so it's about how we relate to him. And that's the point that Solomon is making here. He wants to consider us how wise living, righteous deeds done from the fear of God, ultimately impacts us. And for the people that Solomon wrote to, for the Israelites, who were living under God's, um, living under the Mosaic Covenant, the way of wisdom 
So choosing to go in righteous, to pursue righteousness or choosing to pursue wickedness was the difference between being established in the promised land or being exiled and cut out from it. And you actually see, um, if we look at the whole of scriptures of, of, the, um, of the Old Testament, that one of the reasons that Israel is, Israel ultimately is exiled. They ultimately don't follow God's instruction. They don't receive it. But they pursue their own way. They pursue wickedness and evil, and God does bring the judgment that he promised to them. So Israel's example is helpful for us. Just remember that God doesn't, um, God doesn't ignore sin or ignore its consequences. Um, there will be, there is, uh, there's more than just what we see right in front of us. And the wicked man and the forbidden woman present shortcuts to what we want. They present shortcuts to the good life, um, to pleasure and ease, without the hard work and wisdom needed to live well and to please God. In Proverbs eight seventeen, the woman folly tells the simple man, soul and water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. And she's speaking there about um, adultery and how it's better, it's more enjoyable to choose the relationship of, of adultery. It'll bring you pleasure that you won't get in marriage. But that's actually short-sighted and a deception. And whoever chooses that way, though it might seem appealing, it might seem like it's good at first, it's actually going to lead to death and destruction. It's deceptive. It lies to you. And we need to consider the long-term path of our ways. Are we living according to wisdom? Revering God by seeking and following His good word? Just like the people of Proverbs, though the Israelites were God's people, they still had to choose how to live, and they reaped the fruit of their choices. So just because you're God's, you're God's people, and um, if you've chosen to believe in him, just because you're a Christian, um, our ways still have consequences. What we cho- how we choose to live um, matters, and there will be consequences for it. Now, if you believed in Christ, you've been forgiven of sin, and God's Spirit dwells in you. Because of the grace of God, we now have the ability to please Him. We now have the ability to turn from our sin and to walk by faith, and we no longer bear the penalty of our sin. A very helpful passage um, to apply this is Titus chapter 2. So turn to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. And Titus is going to instruct us on how we're to respond to the grace that God has given us in our lives. And I think it really comes together well with this passage because it really is the New Testament version of applying wisdom, of living according to the grace that God has given us, living according to his word. So starting in verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness 
and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his, for his own possession who are zealous for good works. I rejoice that this is the pursuit of, of many, if not most of us, in Boundless. I see this in you guys. I see the diligent pursuit for godliness, and it's a great encouragement. Um, this is a, a very pointed passage and instruction, and it's really a warning, a warning that we need to stay out of the way of wickedness, but also to, to be encouraged. If you're walking in the way of righteousness, if you're seeking God, you know, by his grace, you're learning to, to turn from sin, you're learning to walk in righteousness, then the grace of God is present in you, and you're walking in the ways of wisdom. So Solomon would encourage us to continue on in this, to persevere in, um, in grace and in the way of righteousness, not to, not to turn back, not to turn to the temptations that still are appealing, that still would, um, would call us off God's path for us. So the fruit in our lives, the, the good works that we have, they're from God. If you're in Christ and you're, and you're walking with him, that's God's grace to you. So thank God for that. Um, and if today God has exposed um, sin in your hearts, um, whether sin of impurity or other ways that you might be choosing um, to live for yourself, not to live for God's way and his wisdom, um, I pray that that you would take that to heart and, and not ignore the, the counsel. Um, because if we do, if anyone is continuing to walk in a path of sin, that will lead to death. That will lead to, to judgment. But we have the grace of God. We have um, his mercy here that we can turn back uh, and forsake sin and, and find, find his mercy. So if you do, if, if that's you, then confess your sin to the Lord. And seek help from, from your friends and, and from the leaders here. We'd love to help you if there is um, if there's sin that you're, you're struggling with, if there's something that, that God um, placed on your heart from this. So let's pray and um, thank God for his word for us. Dear Lord, um, I thank you for your holy word, for the wisdom that you give to us uh, in your scriptures. And even um, thinking back to last week, uh, that you've called us to seek this wisdom and um, that you will give it to us if we seek it, you'll provide it. Um, I pray that you help us to apply the message today. I pray that it would um, sit firm in our hearts and we would focus our eyes upon you and um, set our feet to your ways and not be drawn away by, um, by any temptations, whether whether of the wicked man or the forbidden woman. Um, and I pray that you give us um, blessing and encouragement with one another, and we thank you for, um, for your grace to be together. We ask these things in Christ's name.